Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Now, we want to have for a thought today, being aware of the Lord's work. Being aware of the Lord's work. R. Kent Hughes shared, Michelangelo was once asked what he was doing as he was chipping away at a shapeless rock. His reply was he was liberating an angel from the stone. Now, now picture that. Here's a man chipping away at a rock. Rock has no form or no shape. And when he's asked what he's doing, his response is that he is liberating an angel from this stone. You know, that's kind of what God's doing with us, isn't it? He is, <laughs> he is the master creator and he is forming and he is shaping us. He is the potter <laughs> and we are the clay. It, we can't see it right now. We may not even understand it right now. But he is freeing us from the shell of who we are. It appears that the Apostle Paul had some sort of sense of this. That Jesus is trying to make us over. Or God is trying to make us over. Those of us who have come into a relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ. Those of us who have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Paul seems to understand that, that God's doing a work in us that no one else could do. He's not, wanting us to, he's not wanting to leave us as we were, but he's wanting to create something new in us. As a matter of fact, when we look here in verse 10, the Bible says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, <laughs> we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. Good works that God has prepared beforehand. And in those works that he's prepared, we are to walk in them. This is God's holy word. God, we come before you today as humbly as we know how, seeking your help and your leadership. God, we pray that you would speak to our hearts and minds. Each one of us, God, as we proclaim this message, I pray, God, that you would speak forth to all of us, that you would hide me behind the cross, and God, you would come forth and share your truth. And God, as you do this, we pray that it would move and minister upon each and every heart. And if there's one who doesn't know you through your son, Jesus Christ, let this be the day that your word penetrates their hearts, softens it, and they cry out, what must I do to be saved? Oh, God, we'll praise you. We'll glorify your name as we share Jesus with them. So now, God, have your way. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Yeah, Paul, <laughs> Paul seems to really grasp the idea of God reworking us. He's aware of things that has 
taken place in his life. When we come to this passage, we need to understand that, that when the Apostle Paul had returned to Ephesus, he didn't find he didn't find a great number of people who were believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, what he found were 12 faithful believers. 12 who had been won to the Lord by an eloquent man. A man that Luke describes as being mighty in the scripture. A man by the name of Apollos. But there was a problem with the teaching of Apollos. Especially when it comes to baptism. Uh, Paulus only taught the baptism of John. Now, if you go back and you do some, some research in chapters 18 and 19 of the book of Acts, you'll find that, that Apollos, as he is preaching, he is heard by some friends of Paul's by the name of Aquila and Priscilla. When they heard Apollos speak, they realized just how eloquent he was and how great a speaker and how captivating he was. But he didn't know exactly everything he needed to know about the gospel. So they took him aside and they shared with him a more excellent message. And so when you look at, when we find that, we find here that, that Paul comes back to Ephesus and he, he sees what's, what's it's taken place. So as a result of Apollos not having the full understanding of baptism, when the believers were asked by Paul, had they received the Holy Spirit, they responded saying that we have not so much as even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. The believers were not baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Instead, they were baptized in John's baptism. And Paul then informed them that John indeed did baptize with a baptism of repentance, saying that, that they should believe on the one who would come after John. And that one is Christ Jesus. The apostle then laid hands upon them and, and immediately the Holy Spirit became, came upon them and they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. And Paul continued to preach in Ephesus. And God worked many miracles and many believed and the church grew mightily. The believers gave evidence of changed lives by living for Christ right in the middle of this immoral in pagan society. Isn't it amazing? Just how freeing life can be. When we are made aware. Of the truth. For far too often. We haven't gathered enough information. And understanding to fully enjoy. What's before us. Too often we see our careers as just jobs because we're unaware of the opportunities that may come with that job. Too often we see the world as being too hard to navigate through until we're made aware of the resources that allow us a proper perspective. Too often we, we, too often the fire that was burning within us when we first met Jesus seems to be smoldering until we experience a more truth or more of the truth of of God's word and then that sparks a flame within us when we become more aware <laughs> aware of what God has done in us and is wanting to do through us then we we should become excited to do all we can for him 
You know, when we look here in chapter 2 of Paul's letter in the Ephesian church, I want us to leave here today more aware of what God has done in us in hopes that we become more motivated to do all that we can for him. When we look here in this passage, what, the first thing I want us to, to be made aware of is your position. The Apostle Paul told the Ephesian believers that they were God's workmanship. He's saying that God was working on them. The word workmanship carries the idea of a poem and its poet. The poem is the workmanship of the poet. The poet uh, uh, takes something that is within them, whether it's a him or her, and they, they put it down on paper. And in the same sense, Paul is telling the believers that God is forming and fashioning them into his likeness. I imagine that while this was encouraging, it had to be hard to accept it. Maybe it was hard to understand or even conceive that such would take place in their lives. Paul had just told them something they already knew. If we begin in verse 1 and and look down through verse 3, we begin to see some things about them that would kind of make it hard to believe that they were the workmanship of God. Paul said that Paul says that they were dead in the trespasses of and sin, that they had walked according to the course of this world, that they followed the prince of the air, that they served the spirit with uh, who works in the sons of disobedience, that they conducted themselves in the lust of the flesh, and they focused um, they focused on fleshly and sensual pleasures that attracted the mind, and in essence, they were by nature children of wrath. But then in verse four, Paul says, "But God." <laughs> Oh, I've told you time and time again how much I love those two words when they're together. But God. So what Paul is telling them is that this is no longer who they were. This is who they were before they come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Paul's writing to the church. So he's telling the church, this is not who you are anymore. Instead, when you became believers, they were, they, they were, when they became believers in Jesus Christ, when they exercised faith and accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that God extended his grace toward them and he gave them a new birth, a spiritual birth. No, they didn't deserve to be made alive. They didn't deserve to be forgiven of their sin, but God, who is rich in mercy, displayed his love toward them. He made them alive together with Christ. Just just as Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, now they were God's workmanship created in Christ. In other words, just as Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father. They were made to sit in the heavenly places also. Boy, that ought to encourage our hearts. And Paul knew that they needed this encouragement. Paul, he could look back on his life and he could see just how he had become God's workmanship. When Paul comes on the scene in the book of Acts, he's called Saul and he's holding coats of men who were stoning Stephen. Saul was an excellent student of the law and he became so zealous of the law that he saw Christians as a threat to the Jewish religion. Uh, as a matter of fact, he, he took pride 
and becoming a persecutor of Christians. And he asked for letters, giving him authority to go down to Damascus and, and, and beyond to, to bring back uh, to Jerusalem those who profess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But it was on the road to Damascus that Saul had an encounter with the Savior, Jesus Christ. And and his life was forever changed. And God, through his grace and through his mercy, did Saul deserve it? No, Saul did not deserve to be saved. But through God's rich mercy and through his grace, he saved Paul that day. And the persecutor of Christians became a preacher of the gospel. Saul became Paul. And Paul's life became the workmanship of God. So, preacher, why are you telling us this? I just want to encourage you today. You who have been saved. You who are saying, I want to take a moment to encourage you. I want you to know that... It's good to remember where you came from. It's good to remember that we're all products of Adam and Eve. It's good to remember that we're all just dust of the ground. But I also want to remind you that you have been forgiven. And because you've been forgiven, you can begin to forget those things which are behind you. And you can press forward to those things which are ahead. We can all be like Paul. Those of us who know Jesus as Lord and Savior, we can be like Paul. We can press forward toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus we're you're no longer who you used to be you were once dead in trespass and sin but now you've been made alive and you are positioned in Christ what that means is just as Jesus Christ is in heaven So are you. What I mean by this, and you've heard me say this before, is that heaven is your home just as if you were already there. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And we ought to be rejoicing over the position that we've been placed in. Folks, we've been placed in Christ. In Christ Jesus. Oh, that ought to excite us. I hope it excites you. It excites me. Just to know that I am God's workmanship and he has positioned me in Christ. That excites me. And because that has happened to you who are believers, you must also be aware of your purpose. The Apostle Paul understood that no masterpiece, no rendering of art is Created so that it could be put away and no one to ever see it. Instead, it's to be displayed so all can enjoy what come out of the artist. (laughs) So Paul tells the believers here that God wants his masterpiece on display. Paul's telling them, the believers in Ephesus, that they have a purpose. And their purpose is to do good works. Paul says that they are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that they should walk in them. Paul had expressed that they were not saved 
by their works. They were saved by faith, um, by faith through grace. That's the way we're saved. We, we, have, we, we exercise faith in Jesus Christ and then the grace of God is poured upon us. And he saves us. We're not saved by our works. But Paul tells them they were saved to do good works. Since they are saved for this purpose, they are to walk in those good works. In other words, there's no option. We can't just choose how we want to live once we become a born-again believer. Uh, We don't have that option. We are saved to do good works. As a matter of fact, King James Version says that we are ordained to walk in good works. And walking in good works is to be the natural life for the believer. The new nature that God places in the believer dictates that the believer is to walk as God would have them to walk. They are to do what God would have them to do. Does this mean that they are perfect? No, they're not perfect. It meant that they, that they were to strive to live their lives as a representative of their creator. They were to strive to live their lives as a representative of their master, of the workman. And when they would fall, they were, they were not the waller in the miry pit, but instead they were to get to their knees and cry out for forgiveness. And when they would do this, when they would seek the forgiveness of God, what they would find is that he is rich in mercy. And then you continue to strive to do the work that we're called to do. Yeah, the Apostle Paul, he understood his purpose. No matter his circumstance, he was to represent the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of you will remember from Scripture, there was an occasion while Paul was arrested that he was on a ship heading toward Rome. Paul had been told that he would get to Rome. (laughs) And and after being out on the sea for many days, Paul suggested that if they continue sailing, it was going to be dangerous. It was going to cost them more than what they wanted to pay. As a matter of fact, their lives would be in danger if they remained at sea. However, Paul, his warnings went unheeded. As a matter of fact, they continued, and as they continued on the sea, the winds and the sea grew worse. And the crew on the ship began to panic. They tried to to lighten the load of the ship by throwing out everything that was there. and, and And two days later, after they had gotten rid of the food that was on the ship, it was still chaotic. So now, several days has went by. Chaos all around. And you would think what we would do, (laughs) that Paul would have just sat back and said, I tried to warn you. (laughs) I tried to give you a heads up. You wouldn't listen to me, so you have at it. You ever felt that way? I mean, I've I've been there to where I've given somebody some advice, they wouldn't take it, and I'm like... Have at it. You know, whatever happens, it happens. Just have at it. And and Paul could have done that. But that's not what he does. (laughs) Instead, instead Paul takes the lead while here on the ship. Get this. Here's a prisoner. (laughs) We've soldiers, guards, 
and a ship's crew. And Paul, a prisoner, takes the lead. He not only takes the lead, but he he gives them instructions that no one is to jump off the ship. For if they jump off the ship, they'll be destroyed. But whoever stayed upon the ship, their lives would be intact. Yes, the waters continued to get worse and the waves continued to uh, to roar. But as long as they stayed on that ship, they were going to be saved. And here's Paul, a prisoner. (laughs) He's encouraging everyone. Do not be afraid. (laughs) I don't know about you. I I just don't know if that could have been me. I don't know that I would have been encouraging these soldiers. (laughs) I don't know if I'd have been encouraging these who were looking after me. Knowing I'm in prison. I'm a prisoner on this ship. You know this ship was eventually destroyed. But because... (laughs) Because they listened to Paul. Because of of Paul continuing to fulfill his purpose. Because of Paul not laying down on the Lord. And he continuing to show Christ in him. They didn't lose their lives. Some swam to shore as this ship was beaten, battered, and destroyed. Some even floated to shore on particles of the ship. Remember... Paul had told them, don't jump off the ship. So when the ship was destroyed, some were were off the ship at that point, but they were able to make it. Others that couldn't make it, you know what they did? They held on to a piece of the ship. I want to tell you, sometimes we just got to hold on, don't we? Sometimes we got to do everything we can do. When it seems the world is crashing down upon us, we still have to be Christian in this world. Yes. Paul took charge and he led the soldiers and other prisoners and the ship's crew to safety. Paul never lost sight of his purpose. And and he continued to represent the Lord. Now, if the apostle Paul is telling these believers in Ephesus that their purpose is to be a representative of God. If their purpose is to do good works in an immoral and a pagan society. What does this mean for us today? It appears that today, more than ever, we must put on display what God is doing in our lives. If we are being conformed into the image of God's Son, Jesus Christ, then the world must see us as Christ-like. Maybe we need to ask ourselves after a conversation with someone who doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior... Maybe we need to ask them after the conversation if they would think that we are Christian. You have a conversation with someone and before they walk away, just ask them, do you believe by what I've just said that I'm Christian? What would the answer be if we asked our coworkers if they saw Christ in us? Or maybe we need to ask our spouse and our children, do you believe by how I live and how I talk that I love the Lord? 
God's purpose for us is not to sit around, point, laugh, and gossip about others. God, his purpose is not for us to be mean-spirited. His purpose for us is not, not to be Christ-like just on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights. But his purpose is for us to be Christian, to be Christ-like during the election season, during sporting events, when protests are happening, in restaurants, on our jobs, in our communities, and even in our homes. God's purpose for us is that we, that when we, when someone sees us, hears us, or speaks with us, that they see, they hear, and they speak of God working in and through us. Folks, it's not 1950. As much as we would love that time of the white picket fence and the full family, that's not where we're living today. It's not. More families than not are single parent. This is not the age of leave it to beaver, folks. Everything that we've heard about happening in big cities is happening right here. Moral decay is all around us. If it hasn't hit your family, just hold on. It just may be sooner than later. And if it doesn't hit your family, gear up because it's moving in next to you. It's going to work alongside of you. It's going to make decisions in Washington for you. And in Raleigh as well. Folks, if you can... (laughs) Sinfulness, rebellion, and immorality are no longer hiding. Some of you know what I mean. It's not hiding like it used to. It's open and on public display. And you can believe we are expected to be on display as well. You know what we're to be on display as? A child of God. We're to be on display as being Christ-like. We're to be on display as being Christian. We're not to be on display as being mean and ornery and ugly. You can't win no one with those characteristics. You don't compromise the gospel. You stand on the word of God, but you be loving and kind. Oh, when I hated Jesus, he loved me. When I wanted nothing to do with him, he died in my place. And he rose to give me victory. And they're, listen, it's all around us and they're going to live with us and they're going to do things that we just don't like, whether it's coming and taking what you have or whether it's disappointing you and breaking your heart. It's here and we can't hide. We can't hide and we can't point fingers. We must be what God would have us to be. Listen, can you... You got children and grandchildren to win. And you've got to win them through loving them. Being kind to them. We've been called to display gentleness. Self-control, 
We've been called to display love and joy and peace. We've been called to display love and kindness, long-suffering, goodness, and faithfulness. We're to display the fruits of the Spirit no matter what anyone else is doing around us. I don't care who you vote for. I'm still going to serve the Lord. It doesn't change who we are in this world. We can't allow the decisions of the world. We can't allow the decisions of our loved ones to change us from being God's display of Christ's likeness. Oh, as we do that, as we display Christ, (laughs) we don't know. We just might win them. To the Lord. Know how he won me? (laughs) Came down one Sunday. Sat beside me. And said I love you. In the midst of my mess. When my life was in shambles. And I wanted nothing. Nothing good in my life at that time. He sat down and said I love you. I've always loved you. Oh, we don't like change. (laughs) I'm not a fan of it myself. But it's where we are today. Things are going to change on every hand. And we've got to minister and be ministers of the gospel. Whether we're teaching it whether we're sitting and listening to it so we can witness about it or whether we're preaching from here we've got to share the love of Jesus Christ I I pray today that you've heard about the love of Jesus I pray today that through this message that it just speaks to you and lets you know that I was once dead and on my way to a demon's hell. But God stepped in and changed my life. And when we see someone acting as if they're dead, well, if they're dead, that's how they're supposed to act. That's how I acted. That's how you acted. I didn't act like a Christian when I was lost. Neither did you. And if you thought you did, you were acting less like one than you realize. Let's be sure that we're being Christian. Let's be sure we're being Christian. You know why? We're about to have a baby dedication. (laughs) And these children are going to grow up in homes. And mom and dad needs to hear. No matter how your day went. When you get to these babies, if you're proclaiming to be a Christian, you better be Christian in front of them. (laughs) When they see you and they hear you speak to others, they need to hear God and see God in you. When they go to their friends or they have friends over, they need to see Christ in you.
they're going to frustrate us. They're going to aggravate us. We're going to want to tell them to, to get out of the room. And if we love them, we're going to discipline them from time to time. And you've got to work that out with God and how you do that. But ever how you do it, there's going to have to be some if you love them. They've got to know where the boundaries are so that when they get in this real world, they'll know the boundaries. Folks, I love you today, and I didn't want to preach this message. But God has just laid on my heart. If I've got another 5, 10, 15, 20 years to minister, whether it's here or anywhere else, it's going to be a different group of people. And I've got to love them. I've got to minister to them. It may be strange. It may not be what I agree with. But that don't mean I can't love them. If, if it doesn't agree with the gospel, I certainly, I'm, I'm not going to compromise the gospel. Not for my child, not for your child. Not for my wife, not for your spouse. I'm not compromising the gospel. I'd rather God just take me home. But we've got the love. They've got to see the love of Christ in us. Oh, <laughs> you know what I'm excited about? That we're a family that when people come here, they see the love of Christ. That's why I wanted to encourage you in the beginning of this message. Because man, we had six people join the church today. <laughs> because they see the love of Christ in this place. Oh, and, it, and I'm proud to be your pastor. I just want to make us aware. I'm not throwing stones. I'm not pointing fingers. I don't know what's going on in everyone's life. But I just want us to be aware. So that we do what God would have us to do. Because he's fixing, forming, and fashioning in us. We are his workmanship. We are the masterpiece. And these children we're raising. These grandchildren that you're adoring. He is the potter. They're a clay. And we've got to give them an experience so that they'll know to seek the Lord while he is near. Because one day, Jesus is coming. And when he comes, when he splits the eastern sky, if our children have sat under the gospel to where they understand the gospel, and they don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, they're lost. They won't have a chance. Not during the tribulation, they won't have a chance. So now is the day. With every head bowed, every eyes closed, as they begin to sing the song of invitation. Maybe there's somebody here that just needs to talk with God. You just need to just have a talk with Him and share how much. How much you, you need him to lead, guide you. Maybe you need to even ask him for forgiveness. Or allow his Holy Spirit to teach you how to love. In the face of rebellion. In the face of sin. Or maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And you want to know this man who can pour a love inside of you that no one else can. 
who can change your life to where you're no longer a sinner, but you're a saint of God who will give you a new name in glory.